Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez with you here today and my special guest, Stephen Christopher. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Henry. I really appreciate it. We're glad you're here. Let me uh, give our audience a bit of background on you, and then I'll have you add to it. Uh, Stephen is the founder of Sequus Marketing Technologies. Uh, Sequus is a web marketing firm designed to help business owners achieve results they never thought possible online. Uh, before starting Sequus, Stephen started and ran several other award-winning businesses. We'll chat about that. Uh, one of which was a mortgage company, which he operated from 2004 until 2008. And we all know what happened in 2008. So with that crash of the mortgage industry in 2008, he learned what it's like to go from profitable to over $100,000 in debt overnight. And so we'll definitely dive into that challenge. Uh, from failure, though, he learned more about business than any school or program he could ever teach. Uh, since then, he has become an avid student of personal and business development, and his number one focus is helping businesses thrive. Now, the primary platform Stephen uses to add extreme value to businesses is the online strategy and services that his agency, Sequus, provides. So once again, Stephen, welcome to the show, and please add to whatever I've missed there in the background and what you're up to these days. Awesome, Henry. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good <laughs> it's a pretty good intro of who I am, a little bit about my background. Um, I, I just, I love business. Um, I enjoy the challenge of business. I enjoy the excitement of business. Um, and I, I'm kind of that ADHD, uh, somewhat serial entrepreneur. I'm always looking for other things out there, but I've figured out over the last couple of years how to focus and channel my energy into more or less kind of one very specific business at a time to really learn how to produce results and get the kind of achieve the overall goal that we're looking to do as business owners, which most of us are looking for, you know, financial freedom and time freedom. And I think that that's so often forgotten in business. So that's what I've put a lot of my time into the last couple of years is really remembering why I'm a business owner. Yeah, that's fantastic. I can, I can uh, appreciate all of that. I, I suffer from what I call shiny object syndrome. So I appreciate the point about focus and, and finding one thing at a time. I have a hard time with that. But I also am passionate about business. I can talk about business all day long. One of the reasons I started this podcast. I'm, I'm glad to hear that from someone else. Uh, so you live in uh, Denver, correct? I do. Yep. Just outside of Denver, Colorado. Been here for about 12 years, um, originally from Florida. I do miss the ocean a little bit, so I get down to Florida every few months to do a little fishing. But I enjoy Denver. You know, it's not it's not that cold even in the winter, and the snow melts, and it's kind of cool to see seasons. Yeah. What part of Florida did you grow up in? I grew up in Pensacola, which is way up in the Panhandle, right by sure. Alabama. <laughs> Yep. And um, went to school in Gainesville at the University of Florida, and I spend a lot of time down in the Keys, probably a couple uh, times a year right now, kind of as a little getaway. 
Yeah, wonderful. So I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in Hialeah for the most part. I'm uh, the son of Cuban immigrants. So, uh, but then I've been here in the Dallas area since 1989. And then my business partner, who's my co-host on the podcast, David Begin, he lives in Colorado Springs. So we've got a couple of businesses there. Oh, wow. Uh, so we've, we've got a lot of weird connections there, as it turns out, Steve. No kidding. And um, I guess I can say this. Yeah, I can say this. Um, I actually just was in Cuba uh, about a month ah, or two ago. Wonderful. Yeah. How was that experience? I've never been. It was amazing. It was, um, it, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, one of the safest places I've ever been. Um, we didn't really know exactly what to expect, but extremely, extremely safe. Um, had a fantastic time, beautiful, beautiful culture, really cool to see all the old buildings. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how many old cars there are. I expected there to be a decent amount of old cars, but I mean, I, I don't, I can't say numbers, but it's got to be like one out of every two, or maybe even, maybe even more than half are literally like old Chevys and stuff. It's really cool to see. Yeah. My understanding is they've, you know, they've got them together with uh, duct tape and that's probably literal. Um, yeah. So I have not been yet. I was born in the States and just hasn't hasn't hit me to go, but I think it's probably coming up on time and I'm probably going to do it as a cruise because, uh, I, I think that affords the, the comfort and convenience of going someplace where, you know, the air conditioner is going to run that night yeah, <laughs> uh, and the electricity and, but still get the best of both worlds. But anyway, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's, let's get into this. I want to start where we usually start with, with folks like yourself, where you've transitioned from a corporate world and corporate background. Although I know you were an entrepreneur or had entrepreneurial leanings since an age 14, but you did spend some time in the corporate world. Let's start there if we could. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I graduated from college with a finance degree and a minor in economics, and I went to work for uh, one of the large stock brokerage companies that you would be very familiar with in Jacksonville, Florida. And I, I was tied to a desk. I answered phones all day and I made trades within 401k accounts for some very large corporations, uh, within the U S and what happened is a, a couple, probably a couple months in, I just, I started to get these headaches towards the end of the day and I really wasn't fulfilled at all. And then I started waking up with a headache. Uh, it would happen, you know, it would get worse on my drive to work. And by the end of the day, it was like, I couldn't even see straight. My head hurt so bad. And I didn't really put two and two together, but what in, in hindsight, what was happening is I was just so far out of alignment with who I was and what I wanted to do with my life that it was a signal that was telling me, Hey, you need to pay attention. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. And all of my family said, no, this is it. You know, just, just stick it out, work there for, you know, a few years, you'll get a promotion. And then before you know it, 35 years later, you get to retire and then go do stuff. <laughs> and so I, I kind of stuck around for a little while longer thinking, okay, well, you know, everybody's got to be right. And finally got to the point where I said, all right, I, you know what? I don't even care about making money. Um, and, and by the way, I, I was, I barely made any money working there. I mean, you have to work there for years until you actually start making money. So I think at the time I was, uh, my base pay was under $30,000 a year and, you know, maybe made another four or 5,000 per year on top of that for bonuses. So very small pay for what I was doing. And 
um, finally just one day started talking with my friends. I was like, you know, I've been to St. Thomas a couple times. I think I just want to move there and do something different for a little while. And they all kind of laughed and it became more serious. And one day I walked into my manager's office and said, Hey, I'm going to be moving to the Caribbean. Um, I'll, I'll keep you posted. And they kind of snickered and said, okay, yeah, we hear that all the time. And two weeks later I put in my two weeks and, um, off I went. <laughs> Interesting that they said they hear that all the time. In other words, we know we burn the heck out of people, and so we'll, we'll just hire the next person who's willing to work for for almost nothing, right? Yeah, they hear that, and then the the other side of that is people. I mean, how many times have we heard people say, "I'm going to start a business," or right. "I'm going to move to the islands," or "I'm going to do this," and they never do it. So they also heard people saying that, and they were just like, "Yeah, okay, sure, you are." Good point. So if you think back to when you were in school, when you were in college, where did you think you would be five years later? Did you have a vision that was owning your own business or what was your thinking then? I didn't. I, I, I really had no clue what exactly I wanted to do. I knew that I was capable of doing something with my own talent. You know, I knew I was capable of doing something with uh, my creativity, but I didn't really, I never really knew exactly what that was. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I, I started a, a mobile detailing business when I was 14 and I learned I was a good salesperson because I could convince people to drive to my house to have their cars mobile detailed. Um, and actually I would get them to drive to me. So I, I knew that I had creativity and I knew I had talent, but I, I really had no clue exactly what that meant. I just think it's amazing how strong are the influences are on us that even though you had that early experience having control, creating your own um, situation there, creating profit, nonetheless, your parents probably, society, education said, no, no, take that now and channel it and go work for someone and create a career. Is that Would that be accurate? Yeah, 100%. I even remember one of my friend's um, was a business owner when I was really young. He, he owned a, a couple of businesses. He was much older and he told my parents, he said, you know, Stephen should really file with the state and make a, a business because he should be paying taxes. And my parents, I, I love them to death, but they just had no clue how to even do that. And so they just kind of said, okay, well, you know, this is just a little temporary fun thing that you're doing to get money to go to college and to buy a car. Um, so, you know, we're not really going to worry about it because very soon you'll no no longer be doing that and you'll be working for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was the thought. So, um, how old were you when you did finally make the transition to starting your own business? So I made the transition when I was about, I want to say I was about 24, uh, maybe the start of 25 when I started the mortgage company. Yeah. Which, which is pretty young, relatively speaking. But if you look back before that, what would you say was the thing that held you back? And maybe it was just not knowing that that was even an option, but what held you back before that, you think? I, really, that was the biggest thing. It was just not knowing that that was an option. I never, I, did, I, I assumed that all business owners had been handed a business or had some special knowledge of how to start one already or, you know, something like that. Like it was just like, okay, well, the people on the right side of the room are business owners and the people on the left side are employees. And I was on that left side, but every time I would go work for somebody, it was so out of alignment with my personality and who I was that it was just, it never worked. Um, yeah. I was just miserable. 
So tell me, let's talk about that for a moment. As far as your personality goes, what were some of those things that created this lack of alignment? What, what were some of those things in your personality? Um, you know, when I was working for other people, what I would see is a lack of drive and creativity. And what I mean by that is I would look at my managers and I would find a problem in the field or in my position and I would say, cool, look, here's a couple different ways that we can solve this and here's ways that we can dramatically grow what it is we're doing or dramatically offer a better service to the people that we're, that we're serving. And I would take that to my managers or, the, or even the, the people above my managers and say, look, here's a problem. Here's how we solve it. Um, let's do this. Or, Hey, here's how we can make a lot more money. Like, let me even, let me even run with this. Let me implement it. And the answer for the most part was always like, okay, well, you know, that's cute and creative. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll put it on my desk and get to it later. And they would just go back to kind of doing the exact same thing in the exact same way, getting their paycheck, checking out at five o'clock or whenever they were done and going home. And that was it. And they just didn't have this drive. And it was so frustrating. Like, why wouldn't you want to be better? Do you think that lack of creativity has to do with that fear of uh, failing or creating too many waves, just making sure they were worried more about keeping their job than to put an idea out there that might get shot down? Do you think that was part of it yeah. or is part of it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, fear of judgment. You know, when you work at a company with a couple hundred people, in, in the same vicinity as you and you create an idea and you try to implement it and what if it doesn't work or what if it doesn't work the exact way that it's supposed to well now you have this fear that everybody's going to say oh well geez you know that guy's a failure so you're 24 did you really quit and move to st thomas so i actually quit when i was so i quit the um stock brokerage when i was 22 um, moved to st thomas moved back from st thomas to the States. And that's when I moved to Colorado. I was about 23, 24. Um, I worked for a liquor distributor for Coors in Colorado and went through that same thing. I was there for a year and I mean, really just started to kind of get headaches and started to approach management with ideas that didn't work. And I met a guy who was starting a mortgage company and he said, Hey, you should come work for me. And Obviously, you know, 2004, 2005, that's when mortgages were hot. There was money in it. And I was like, cool, I can kind of be my own boss by, you know, managing my own clients so I can figure out how much money I want to make based on how much I want to put in. So I said, sure, I'll come, I'll come work for you doing mortgages. It sounds like something at least better than what I'm doing now. And then how did you transition to having your own mortgage company? So over the course of the first few months, the person that, uh, that I went that I followed into starting his mortgage company, he started to, I guess, see the value in what I was doing and said, Hey, you know what? I could actually, it'd be a lot more fun. I could use a partner in this. So slowly over the course of, I don't remember maybe six or eight or 10 months or something like that, he would slowly give me more ownership until we were partners till we were 50, 50, um, 50, 50 owners of the company. Uh, that's a tremendous opportunity. So did, did you buy into that or just earned those shares over time? How did, how did you all structure that, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, no, um, I earned into it. So he didn't have a large, uh, a large source of funding to start the company. I mean, you know, to start a mortgage company back then, all you really needed was a telephone, a computer, a little bit of software, and a way to get leads. And that was pretty much it. So it was a real low overhead. And so I just earned it. I just earned it in by helping run the business um, 
and then bringing in a lot of revenue to support the growth. Yeah. You did not know much or anything about that business before you went into it. Is that fair? Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. So you just learned as you went and studied and learned from your partner, I'm assuming. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right, so we get to 2008. We all know what happens there. Tell us a little bit about that story when it all fell apart. Yeah, so in 2008, um, we, we started to see some little stuff happening, meaning that banks and our lenders were starting to pull back on the funding that they were giving. Now, our mortgage company specialized in dealing with uh, higher net worth investors, so people that actually had a lot of liquid cash um, they weren't they weren't the people that kind of I guess I would say put us into the situation that we got ourselves into, but they would own multiple properties. And so we started to see restrictions on how many properties you could own in order to get a loan, no matter how much money you had sitting in the bank. So there was a little bit of writing on the wall and we kind of uh, honestly just kind of ignored it. I just thought this is good forever. We're doing well. How could it ever how could it ever even end? And then middle to later in 2008, over the course of about 72 hours, um, a couple of our biggest lenders uh, just shut down out of the blue, I mean, overnight. And so when I say I went from profitable to over $100,000 in debt overnight, it was literally more like 72 hours. Um, but that's about how long it took to go from having income, running a business, to uh, no income and realizing, oh man, I, I'm sitting here holding $100,000 of debt that we had been using to grow the business faster uh, over the course of time. I would have been in complete shock. I don't, I don't, I'm sure it took you a while to process it. Yeah, it was interesting. It, it, at first, um, it was reactionary. So reactionary in the sense that I said, okay, I have no money. Um, I got to find a way to at least pay my car payment so I can drive, uh, eat a little bit and try to find a way to pay, pay rent. So my initial thing was just reaction and go out and okay, find income immediately. So I took a job making like $20,000 a year, um, kind of as a sales type position. And that at least got me income coming in and then over the course of the following months, when everything really started to shake out and then the creditors started to call, uh, I couldn't pay my car loan, I couldn't pay, I couldn't pay rent, then it really all started to settle in that, you know, this might be rock bottom. So at that point, are, are you thinking to yourself, all right, I got to regroup until I figure out the next business? Or are you thinking, boy, that's it for that. I'm going back to the corporate world. Where, where were you? What was your mindset then? It, it would go back and forth. So it, it more than 50% of it was, okay, I know that I can run a business. So I had learned that and I took that away from the mortgage company. So I had that on my side. And then the other part of it, you know, maybe 30 or 40% of it was, okay, well, you know, that was kind of unfortunate. Um, that was a fun test. Even my parents said, they were like, okay, well, you know, that was fun. You, you had your little experience. Now, like, get back on the right path. Go find a job. And I kind of realized that there was no way that I was going to be able to pay $100,000 in debt back quickly uh, or even, like, within a decade just taking a job, making a normal wage. And 
that's about the same time that I found out about this stuff called personal development. And I started finding out that there's books out there of people that have learned how to become better, become more, learned how to run a business. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I should probably start reading that. And so that's kind of the path that I chose. I was like, well, I might as well just work on myself, have a little bit more fun. And then I know I'm capable of running a business. So let's just, let's just kind of keep going that direction. All right. So I want to just dig a little bit deeper on the whole failure thing, because this is such an interesting topic to me. We obviously now, like you said, as we educate ourselves, as we read, as we read about other entrepreneurs, the thing that we're trying to recondition ourselves is to accept that failure is part of the process, that we learn from failure. Of course, we're, we are avoiding failure. No, none of us want to fail, but that we can learn from it. But what I struggle with is that nonetheless, we come with this baggage, this conditioning that tells us that failure is bad. It's embarrassing. Um, it, it shows to others, even even the ones that we, that love us, that see, you need to go back to that real thing, which is a career. So how, how did, I'm just curious more how you pulled through that. It was that some that something that tugged at you is that, that see, this shows you that I got to go back to a career. I just want to get a little bit deeper into that emotion and how you overcome that and how you look at it now, as far as failure goes. Yeah, it, it was really interesting because I get asked this question a lot. And, and over the last year or two, as I've talked more about it, I've realized something very interesting about it. And I was so far down. I mean, I, I kept my car in the garage because I wasn't paying the car loan. So I didn't want it to get repossessed. I right. you know, had to ride a bike some places just so I could get around. Um, luckily, I was staying with a friend. So he kind of let me slide on the rent for a few months while I figured out what was going on. And I was so far down that I just kind of saw that I couldn't, it couldn't get any worse. And so there wasn't as much shame around it and there wasn't as much fear around it as I would have thought there would have been. And, you know, a, a couple of my coaches and mentors, when we're thinking about doing things currently in some of my businesses and it's scary to me, they say, okay, cool. Well, take yourself down the absolute worst, worst path. If you know, everything falls apart, what's the worst thing that could happen? And when I do that now, it's really not that bad. I mean, yeah, I might be dead broke. Yeah, I might go into some debt. Yeah, I might lose my car. Who cares? I've already been there. I know that it's really not that bad. I mean, it was almost kind of fun once I realized it couldn't get any worse. I was like, the only way I can go from here is up. You know, it's fun to go to a bar or a restaurant and figure out, okay, how can I get a beer for like 60 cents? <laughs> yeah. um, so that is such an interesting perspective. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, so now you look at it as I've been there, I know how to get back from there. But do you think as you were going through it, as you were starting to read about um, improving yourself that, did you always have a mindset that was positive thinking is did that help you get through it? Or what was, what was your mindset growing up? Are you typically a positive person? Yeah, I was a, a, a positive person. Um, you know, my parents and my family, uh, I mean, really even to this day, know very little about personal development to the extent that I've spent time in it um, outside of like my podcast and some stuff that I've sent them to read. Um, I was just always a creative person. I just, 
I always knew there was a way to do the things that I wanted to do. I just didn't really know how, and I didn't really always know that it was a possibility. And so I think just knowing like, all right, well, worst case scenario, I move back to Florida and move in with my parents. Um, I'm always going to have a place to live. I'm always going to have food. Uh, and really that's, I mean, truthfully, that's all we need. Right. Right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. So you took a job uh, for a period of time, and then what, what was next? What was the next business venture? Yeah, so I took a job uh, making $20,000 a year. And when I ran the mortgage company, one of the things that I learned was digital marketing. And we spent all this money on creating this beautiful website, and I thought, cool, we're going to turn this thing on, and we're going to get so many leads, we're not even going to know what to do with it because it's the best website in the industry. So we flipped the website on and of course nothing happens because nobody can find it. So we learned about this thing called SEO, search engine optimization, how to get ranked on Google so people can find you. And um, we hired somebody and I, I quickly found out that I can do this better. So over the course of a couple of years, I learned about internet marketing. And then when I took a job after the mortgage company went under, I was like, man, if I could only find a way to get just a little bit more money coming in. So um, I remember thinking, like, if I could, if me and my girlfriend could go to Mexico, that'd be really cool. So I found a couple clients, a couple businesses that needed help with their website and web presence, and brought them on and said, hey, I can help you. So I just started doing that after hours, and actually um, brought in, ended up meeting a friend who had a an interest in doing the same thing. So we became business partners and that was in uh, 2009 that I, that I started that. And, you know, and along the way of growing that company, I took some, uh, I took some other marketing jobs that allowed me to have flexibility with my schedule, meet people, connect, uh, and, and provide some income as well. So is that the company that then became Sequest, or, or was that another company? So that was another company. Um, that was a company okay. that I owned from 2009 until 2014 when I sold that to my business partner to kind of exit a business partner relationship. Okay. And um, Sequest started the day after that in 2014 and has become what it is now today. So let me ask you this question. I've, I've had an opportunity to interview lots of folks who do this similar type of stuff. Obviously, everybody has a different angle and a different area of expertise, but uh, our listeners are small business owners. What, what advice do you have for them as to where to get started? It's amazing, as I'm sure you know better than I, the statistics of how many small businesses don't even have a website, but and maybe that's where you start. But where should they get started? Yeah, great question. So where to get started when it comes to online and connecting with your customers is how are you how are you providing value to your current customers and your potential customers through some form of digital marketing and so yeah the stats of people that don't even have a website it's crazy and you know websites aren't necessarily inexpensive for a decent one so i get that not everybody can have one but don't let that be an obstacle to starting your online presence. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can start with just Facebook. You can start with just Twitter. I mean, just start doing something to connect with customers. And what I would really probably encourage people to do is start answering questions that your potential customers are asking and searching for. And as you become a resource 
for that, people will start to find you. People will start to connect you with your clients. Uh, Google will start to pick up on what it is that you're doing once you really become a relevant resource. And now you'll be able to start connecting with people. Um, so just pick one platform and get started. You know, um, just start. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really insightful and tremendous value, this providing value. You know, obviously part of it is figure out where your people are listening, where your audience is, and then provide value there. But that's the key there is that's not, you know, here's my latest discount or this is the name of my business. Here's my pretty logo. It's like you said, answering questions for that audience, providing value, whether that's through video or a blog post or sharing information or providing technical support or what have you. I think that's what you're talking about. And then figure out what platform is best for that and where your audience is listening. Did I get that right? Yeah, spot on. Yeah, that's that's huge advice. And again, what I find with my small business clients is people are just paralyzed, A, because they don't know where to start, and, and B, they're, they're bombarded with all these different opportunities, offers, ways to spend your money, and it's such a moving target. SEO is such a moving target. And so so on the point of SEO, what what's your advice generally at a high level for small business owners? I mean, at a high level when it comes to search engine optimization, Google's job is to provide the most relevant result for its client who, you know, its client is the searcher, the person doing the searching. So your goal when it comes to SEO is is becoming the most relevant resource for whatever it is that you are, you know, selling, teaching, doing, um, whatever that is that your business is you want to become the most relevant resource for that. And you can do that through constantly adding value, um, answering people's questions, providing relevant information on the topic. And you can do that through either you know, your website, just what is the content on your website. You can do that through blogging. Um, you just want to be consistent. But search whatever the term is or whatever the product or the service is in your area that, you're, uh, you, know, that you do and see what the people on the first page are doing. How often are they blogging? How many pages is their website? Um, do websites even come up or is it all Facebook pages that come up? So it kind of gives you an idea for what Google thinks is currently relevant and all you have to do is be a little bit more relevant than them. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, so the other thing you do I know is you help small business owners who have hit a wall with, with growth uh, or even to get started. What, what's a common reason you've observed that holds small business owners back from achieving their business dreams? Fear. Fear is a big one. Um, fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of the unknown, fear of loss, fear of scarcity. Um, all of these different things show up to me under this category of fear and it can be paralyzing as a small business. Like you kind of feel alone sometimes and you think, okay, well, you know, um, I'm selling whatever shoe widgets and there's 70,000 other companies out there selling shoe widgets. You know, who am I to sell a shoe widget? Like I don't even know near as much as these people do. I haven't been in business for a hundred years. So there's all these things that come up around fear. And you know, what I would say is that we're all unique in our own way. Nobody can run a business exactly like you and nobody can add value exactly like you do to every single customer out there. So you have your customer base somewhere out there. 
Um, just don't let fear paralyze you. You know, if you're unsure about something, go find an answer. If there's 70,000 people out there that have already done what you're doing, great. That's 70,000 people that have an answer or a majority of the answers to the things that you don't already know. So having confidence in our unique voice and our unique perspective or approach, that that's one way that you begin to get over the fear. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, fear is a topic that I talk a lot about and uh, I, we won't get into it a ton here, but just kind of a different way to frame that thought is I, I fully believe that fear is, is a fake emotion. And what I mean by that is our brain is about the same as it was 200,000 years ago as cavemen. Well, we were given fear as an emotion to save us from getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger um, and starvation and all that kind of stuff. But look at how far we've come as far as our environment in, two, in the last 200,000 years. We really have nothing to be fearful of. Um, so, but our brain tricks us. We still have this emotion of fear. So it looks at something like public speaking is a great example. It looks at something like public speaking and this fear emotion has to still be used because it's ingrained in us. So it says, look, if you get up on that stage, you're literally going to die. And yeah. that's what that emotion is. And it just doesn't serve us anymore. So I tell myself fear is fake. Yeah, that's very insightful. It, it um, it also ties back to what we were talking about before. What's that question that I love, which is what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that could happen here? If you get up in front of that audience and it does bomb, what happens? Do you lose your life? Do you lose your family? No, none of that happens, right? So it, it, it's to your point, it gets over-exaggerated and we have that that prime primal fear that we think is the end of the world, but it's not. Yeah. Um, all right. I know you're big, I believe, on uh, leveraging business coaches and mentors. Speak to me about that, how you use that in your life and in your business and what you recommend to our listeners. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of coaches and mentors and uh, in whatever capacity you can you can get a hold of one. I mean, it's really cool in the world we live in today that you don't even have to hire a coach today. We have Facebook. I mean, there's so much free value out there from business coaches that are putting out all this great content on you know, Facebook, for example, um, that you don't even have to hire them. You don't even have to pay the thousands of dollars to get great advice. And most of them will actually even communicate with you for free because you know, it's helping build their network as well. So I think it's an absolute must. You know, these people have already either been through the thing that you're about to go through or trying to go through or they have somebody in their network or they've coached somebody through the same thing that you're going through. So why, why go through all of this stuff on your own when somebody's already done it? You know, they've tried the 50 ways and found the one that works the best. Just follow it. So find a couple good coaches and mentors that you trust, you know, based on results that they've helped other people get and take a lot of what they say as truth. You know, just follow it. It's, it's, chances are, even if it's not the perfect advice, it's better than the path that you might just kind of make up and guess and start going down. Um, the other great part about it is it gives some perspective. So as business owners, we can have really dark times where we get wrapped up in this, you know, thought process of like, oh my gosh, the world is ending, everything's going down. And having somebody that can step in from an outside perspective and kind of say, look, I, everything's cool. It's not that big of a deal. Um, the world is not ending. 
that's really helpful. Uh, and then lastly, accountability. It's great to have somebody to be accountable to so that you can actually continue moving forward with actions and, and accomplishing things. Yeah, great advice. And as an example, I, I'm a volunteer mentor through SCORE, which is a part of the Small Business Administration. And to your point, my mentoring services that I offer through the Chamber of Commerce here are free to to the folks who take advantage of it. And it's not just me. There's 60 of us just in the Dallas chapter alone. So to that point, these resources are out there. And then the last point you made is, is I think, so important. We can sometimes feel like we're on an island as an entrepreneur by ourselves. And, And sometimes all it is is just someone else who can relate to listen to what we're going through that is really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and Henry, something that came up as, as another resource that I didn't even mention. I mean, podcast, look at this. I mean, how much value are you bringing to business owners by all the people that you're interviewing? You're aggregating all this great data and then you yourself are a coach as well. And you're doing all this, I mean, essentially for free, the, the resources are here. Sometimes we forget that there's value in the free things and we, we want to pay for something to, to see it as more valuable. But geez, I mean, there's so much great free stuff out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Great point. All right. I want to talk about creativity. I uh, watched one of your recent video blogs where you had uh, Laura Sanchez and this topic of creativity. This is another one of my hot points because I love discussing it. And, and she made such a great point and I want to get your perspective on it that our creativity gets squashed, if that's the right word. And early on, we get told, you know, color inside the lines. Don't, it goes back to the whole, you know, don't fail, don't take risks. Certainly when we get into our careers, don't propose anything that's too outlandish that might get shot down. So I think what happens to us is we lose touch with that creativity, but it's so important and valuable to us as small business owners. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things come to mind when you start talking about that topic of creativity. And, you know, one is you have to proactively create an environment that invites creativity. You know, so many of us, as, as especially as business owners, we create these environments that kind of push out creativity because we think that that's the way that it's supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to have a quiet office or we're supposed to have... I don't know. I mean, individual offices for everybody, and we're supposed to have exact hours. Um, challenge the rules and the things that you look at and do within your business and invite creativity. So, like, you know, we just moved into a new office and we actually have everybody out in open areas now. And it's a test. Some people like it, some people don't. But we've created all these little creative rooms around our office and now people can go in and collaborate and we painted them cool colors and we put beanbag chairs in and stuff like that. Um, and and we, we constantly kind of challenge the things that a lot of people say, oh, in business, you've got to have this and you've got to have this desk and you've got to work from eight to five. Um, you've got to create an environment that invites creativity in order for it to, to show up. And the other thing that comes to mind is that, you know, think about what got us to where we are today. A lot of it is around creativity. It's around finding or having a problem. Like, for example, me, I I hated working somewhere else, eight to five. I allowed myself to be creative. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was just like, man, there's got to be a better way. Let's ask some really good questions. Let's get creative and, and 
and our thinking. And so as we grow our businesses, sometimes we forget what got us here and we forget to reinvite that creativity to help get us to the next level. So, I mean, creativity and creating an environment for it is, is really, really important. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that perspective. Uh, so you have uh, figured out how to manage fear. You've overcome some significant failures as we've talked about and moved on and gone on to huge success. Uh, you've tapped into your creativity we talked about the drive that you had early on. In addition to those things, what have been a couple of things that have been key to your success in business? You, I, I have to remind myself constantly that business is supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we started this business to do something, right? Like we thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to get to create some time freedom and some financial freedom. And then as we start building this, this, uh, kind of like thing from society tells us or, or rewards those people that work 80 hours a week or 90 hours a week as a business owner and they're, you know, they're crushing it and they're, they're hustling all the time. So that in society is kind of rewarded. It's like a badge of honor, but really it doesn't, that, that's not what we wanted when we started the business. We wanted this freedom. We wanted this ability to live a better life and give a better life of our family. And so just reeling it all back in and remembering that business is supposed to be fun. So even when I'm going through a, a struggle at my company, I'll look at it and kind of just smile and say, you know what? This is supposed to be fun. This is one of the fun parts about business. I get to be creative. I get to solve a problem. Everything is going to be okay. And when I start looking at it from that perspective, everything becomes a little bit easier and it becomes a lot less stressful. Um, And then the other thing that, a couple of other things as far as keys to business is um, focus and clarity. So many, so often as entrepreneurs, we get distracted by, um, you know, Henry, as you mentioned, the bright, shiny object syndrome. And that's, that's what got us to where we are. But we need to stay focused. You know, we need to be very clear on why we're doing what we're doing and what are the actions that we're taking every day. So, um, for example, me personally, we have a one year and a three year plan within our company and we constantly try to get rid of stuff that we're doing that doesn't help get us to that plan faster. So each person in the company, we only have a couple things that we're really responsible for and everything else we try to just continually get rid of, like always taking out the trash on stuff and we don't implement stuff unless it's really, really useful um, in, in growing the business. And the, the last thing is uh, relationships and other people. And what I mean by that is so many times, and I, I used to be really bad at this, I used to think, okay, this is my business, I'm responsible for it, I have to do everything. That's not the case. This isn't my business. This is our business. This is, uh, you know, it's partially mine. It's partially my, my staff, my employees, my team, and it's partially my clients. I'm not responsible for it all. And that also allows me to remember that I'm also not the one that should be making every single decision. I need to be empowering the rest of my team. So we can't do this all on our own. So make sure that you're empowering and, and allowing your team and the people around you to grow and contribute and really feel like it's their business as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. Tremendous insight. So the, the fun, the focus, clarity, and then the, the last part here, which is 
it's not just, you're not by yourself. You have a relationships with others that are part of it. That's great insights. Uh, the fun thing I think also relates to the people. In other words, I'm sure you've gotten to a point now as I have where I want to be in business and I want to do business with people who I enjoy. That's, I'm assuming that's part of it for you as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So Stephen, tell me a bit more about Sequus and the services that you all offer your clients. Awesome. So we are a full service digital marketing agency. We do everything from web development to uh, web design for conversion. You know, it's great to have more people come to your website, but what are they doing when they get there? So we really help businesses focus down on what information is showing up on the site and then what's the objective and how do you accomplish it? So how do you get more leads? How do you get more calls? Whatever that is, um, we put a lot of focus on that. So once we figure out the web development and design piece of marketing, then we do SEO, pay-per-click, social media, all kinds of different ways to drive potential clients to your website and help build trust around your business's brand so that you can do more business and, and continue to grow. And tell me more about the, um, the podcast, Business Revolution. Yeah, Business Revolution. That's, that's been a really fun project for me working on the podcast. Um, our goal is to help business owners that are you know, either all the way from just starting out as entrepreneurs um, to business owners that are running five to five, 10, 15 million dollar companies that just need that next level of a resource. You know, they're, they, they're kind of at a crossroads. They can't figure out how to grow without just putting more time into the business. So we're trying to provide them resources to remember that business is fun and grow at the same time. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the podcast, and it can, people can find that on iTunes and other platforms as well. Yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, the website for the podcast is bizrevolution.com. Wonderful. So, well, a couple more questions, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, I'm a big reader, especially business books, but any book, any subject that you've read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, that's such a hard question because there's so many good books out there. But this is one that if you haven't read, um, I fully believe it's a must read. It's called U Squared. It's by Price Pritchett. It is the whole book. I actually need to look at it. It's maybe 50 pages, like double spaced. Hmm. I mean, you could read it in, I would say even a slow reader, probably less than two hours um, in one sitting. And it's some of the most valuable information in the smallest book I've ever read. And I, I highly recommend it. It's all about quantum leaps. And, you know, we think that we have to go from stage one to two to three to four to get to 10 in that order. And it challenges that belief system. Oh, fantastic you, book. You squared. Thanks for that recommendation. We'll have that, a link to that book on the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at the how of business.com. All right. Uh, last question, parting piece of advice thought, uh, as we think about our audience, which is people who are either looking to make that transition or small business owners, last thought or parting advice for those folks. Yeah. Last thought would just be, um, re you know, remember that business is supposed to be fun. Yes, it's a challenge, but you've got to have fun while you're doing it because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, we don't know how long we're going to have here on earth. And so today you have to live today to its fullest. And remember, whatever that is that you're going through today, that is 
the lesson. That is the fun part of today. And so fully embrace it and fully enjoy it and have fun with it. And, you know, even if it's something really bad, what's the positive side in it that you're going to get out of it? Because we're supposed to have fun here. We're supposed to enjoy our journey. Um, so make sure you're doing that today as opposed to, you know, three years down the road when you hit some sort of arbitrary revenue goal that most of us really don't even know exactly what that's going to mean. Today is the day that counts. Wonderful advice. Thank you. Um, so Stephen, where can folks go online to find out more about you and your business? Yeah. So, um, for the podcast, you can check out, like I said, bizrevolution.com. For the digital marketing company Sequus, it's sequus.com, S-E-E-Q-U-S.com. If you'd like to uh, communicate and follow up or if you have any questions for anything that I talked about, um, we have a Facebook group for Business Revolution, which you can find there on the website or just search for it online. Uh, we have all kinds of great, great business owners and great people to give advice and answer questions within there. So we'd love to have you, love to have you in there. Thank you. And folks, if you didn't get all of that, it'll again be on the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Stephen, tremendous information. Wonderful time with you here. Thanks for sharing and for being with us today. Yeah, Henry, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of the day to have a little fun. <laughs> my, my pleasure. Wonderful time. Uh, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.